0: what is going on everybody welcome back to another week and another episode of the grunge bible podcast episode 36 is on deck my name is chris salona i am joined by ethan shalloway as per usual ethan here we are once again it's funny i find you here again (laughs) Oh, man, I know. And it's a this is a a fun morning. It's been uh, it's
1: it's Sunday. So we're we're getting this out uh, nice and early. Actually, we had a a little surprise podcast drop on a Sunday today. And we did a recording. So that's pretty sweet. First time for everything. Um, And I'm doing well, Chris. I had I know that I had a long weekend just like you as normal. We are tired this Sunday morning. (laughs)
0: yeah i'm fucking beat you know uh, we've definitely recorded on mondays before where we're coming off of uh fun benders i'm coming off of a work bender and i still yeah, have more after same. we finished recording i worked i worked all weekend and uh this is still sunday midday we're, we're recording this i got i got more work to do after this but uh, it's great to you know take a little break and uh just kind of enjoy enjoy podcasting a little bit we uh Eat, sleep, and breathe podcasting over here at Grunge Bible, and uh, we're picking up some steam too. It feels good, and we absolutely are.
1: And it starts with today. It starts with the podcast. You know, for for everybody listening, we got our first ever interview on the pod. Techn- well, I mean, I guess we've had you know Drew and maybe my brother, but like this is uh this is the first high level, uh, high profile person. If you you know, he wouldn't agree with
0: that, I guess. But uh, absolutely, we're really excited for this podcast. Um, it's gonna be sweet. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and uh, you know, you guys have wanted interviews for a while, and um, as usual, these this interview that we're about to present to you would not be possible without our top-level Patreon supporters, and uh, we've got a special surprise for all the Patreon supporters later on in the interview, uh, so if you want to stay tuned for that, you'll find out what that is, but without further ado, the Patreon top-level supporters are Kayla Jean, Sue, Alexa Shannon, Release, Laura Irene. Jade Mercado, Marianne, Sonny Mashburn, Shannon Gorgon, Victor Schaefer, Jamie Lynn, Fuck Soup, and our number one fan from Australia. So to you, 13, uh, we're very thankful that you're allowing us to continue to record and you're helping to sustain these efforts. And, uh, you know, in no uncertain terms, you've made this interview possible. And uh, we're thankful for your support.
1: Yes, as always, uh, I love hearing the names. I love, I love the the league, the league of people we have supporting us. It's great. Um, yeah. And today we got a great, we have Chris Cafaro on the photographer who's been around forever, director, all things creator. And wow. Uh, it's a good one. I mean, he's going to, he'll do all the introduction he needs. So
0: I think we just get right to the meat and potatoes guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, Chris, he's been a friend of ours for a while. We've known him for almost four years now and, and he has you have seen his photographs. Uh, you have seen the work that he's done. He has photographed just about everybody who has ever been in the public eye. Uh, he's a really, really great guy. Got a lot of great stories. And uh, you know, in this interview, we we talked about everything, man. We got into you know his experiences as a photographer, his thoughts on the music industry, uh, social media, NFT. I mean, everything we were talking about. It was a really good conversation, and uh, we are excited to present it to you here today
1: yeah you guys are it's a little bit it's a little bit different pace uh than usual i mean yeah you'll you'll see what we mean just be ready uh be ready for a nice interesting podcast it gets a little bit over an hour it's a little bit longer than normal but i promise you every bit is everybody's great i I think you'd agree chris
0: absolutely so let's just get right to it and here is our conversation with chris (laughs) cafaro
2: desperate for you really that desperate for for people to rant and rave. You're going to come back. We'll see about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, When it goes viral, you'll be surprised. You're going to be, yeah, you'll find a space on this page. I think people are going to
2: love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, let me just just say this as an introduction. First of all, I want to say this loud and clear. I am not the grunge photographer. Exactly. Uh, I'm like, I get so when I was did my, did the grunge exhibition so long ago in 20, uh, 2019 uh in australia i mean the, the press there the grunge photographer i'm like no i'm not the grunge photographer so i like to make that really clear to everybody i'm not the grunge photographer i'm not even a music photographer i'm just a plain old photographer yeah. and um you know if i give the if i had to give the title grunge photographer to anybody it would be charles peterson mm. uh he was there he documented it the, from the beginning to the end uh he is the man he's a brilliant fucking photographer i give him major props uh, and he was there for it all. So I'm just like, I always used to say to everybody, I'm i I'm an outsider looking in. I was a guest to that whole scene and they took, they treated me very, very well and took good care of me. were always nice to me.
0: Does it's that gotta help? be, yeah, it's, it's gotta be interesting too, because like it must get annoying, or I guess at what point did it get annoying that people kind of only recognize you or, or view you in one light of one period of your, your professional life, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Well, that honestly, guys, so here's, a,
2: I just wrote a blog post about this, uh, that goes up on Tuesday, uh, about labels. And, um, I have fought labels my whole career. I mean, I've been shooting 50 years now. And, you know, when I started out, it was, you know, you're like, Oh, you're the glamour photographer. You're, mm-hmm. they just throw labels and, Uh, for the last 20 years, I'd say, you know, people are like, oh, you're the music photographer, the rock and roll photographer, the pop rock photographer. You just like, shut the fuck up. I'm just a photographer, plain old fucking photographer. And if if I'm just a music photographer and, you know, fucking some client calls me up to shoot teddy bears on Pink Seamless, what am I going to say? No, you know, like I'm going to do it. It's a job. And so i don't like labels like that so i i've fought with my publicist for my exhibitions i stress them if anybody says music photographer uh, i won't you know just stop it right then and there and uh, i just hate being labeled that way so i am just a plain old photographer slash director and the, the word i've added on to it now is slash creator yeah. um but well, i guess another question to kind of go back
1: a little bit uh, what, what did get you into film when you were little, did you expect to be taking photos of the people that you have? And really, I mean, it's to, you know, you're not the grunge photographer, but you were so intermixed in there. So I want to kind of ask the beginning of like, you know, why photographs and then how yeah. did it, how did it kind of like grow into,
2: well, I'll tell you the story. Do you, I always tell people this. So did you ever see the, um it's steve jobs commencement speech for stanford university i think I yeah have. yeah i've, I've seen yeah. that yeah. on youtube you got to watch it it's a brilliant brilliant uh speech uh, about how he, how he t- there's this section of he talks about connecting the dots about, yep. of your life. You can look when you're old enough. You look back and you go. And I could t- I always tell people I can tell you why I am where I am today. I can spell it. I always tell people, I'm broke, a broke ass starving artist. I can tell you exactly why I am and all the decisions <laughs> I made. But I started when I was 10 years old. Uh, this is I'll tell you the short version of the long story. My mother loved musicals uh, like you know Singing in the Rain, Damn Yankees, Bye Bye Verdi, things like that. And one time, my mom, when I was in sixth grade, I was sick, and she made me watch the movie Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire, and I fell in love. I was always in love with Audrey Hepburn as a kid, but uh, Fred Astaire plays a photographer, uh, and I thought, oh, that's cool. i take pictures, and so my mom had a camera. I picked it up. I took a roll of film. She pr- had it processed. I immediately fell in love with it. Uh, and then in seventh grade, I got to junior high and there was a photography class. I took that. And within a week, I was like, this is it. I'm going to do this. And then I processed my first roll of film and made my first prints. I said, this is it. And by uh, eighth grade, I was making business cards and running my business. Uh, I shot my first That's cover of
1: photo started in eighth grade.
2: Well, yeah, in, 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 at 12 years old. And, and then amazing. Yeah, I always tell people, like, I knew, I knew from day motherfucking one that this was what it was going to be. So, um, as I like to say, it's my blessing and my curse. Uh, my therapist used to tell me to, you know, that's what sometimes things are in life. And I would, you know, so I, but I started out, and this is honest God truth, guys. I'm not going to lie to you guys and I because I say this all the time. I got into it because of girls, you know. I, at a very young age, I started looking at Playboy magazine when I was five. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what I was looking at, but I liked it. <laughs> You're it intrigued. Interesting. Yeah. And you got to realize when that was. You didn't see a whole lot, but I whatever what I did see, I was like, that's so cool. I started subscribing to Playboy when I was 10. My parents were like, what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> first First subscription. Nice. Yeah, I, well, I was subscribing to Vogue and Rolling Stone and all these other magazines, but <laughs> Playboy was, and I was the only kid on the block that was buying it for the pictures. I didn't care about the articles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I was always about girls. I started shooting models when I was 12 years old. I started shooting naked girls when I was 17, my first naked girl, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> and then I, I but I, was shoot, I started shooting concerts. My first concert I shot was in 76, uh, Stanley Clark, if you know who he is, bass player, jazz uh 1976 i shot my first concert for you know sneak the camera in and you yeah. know sit in the seat and take some snapshots and so i started shooting concerts in high school whenever possible i could sneak a camera in earth wind and fire the commodores confunction, rufus and chaka khan goes on and on and on never thinking that musical was gonna be a thing and so i got to los angeles when i was 21 and um Thinking I was going to be a fashion photographer, and the first day, my first day on the job, I worked at a black and white lab. My best friend, and I call him my brother, he told me, "You're not going to be a fashion photographer, so figure something else out." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, like I was in tears, basically, just going, "What? You just shot my whole thing down." And he just said to me, "I was in the wrong city. I had to be in New York, and I wasn't." And he said, "You had you," and he basically said to me, "You know, you know nothing about fashion," and he was right. I just knew girls, (laughs) so. I immediately kind of shifted uh from that point on i started thinking about what's next and being in the entertainment capital you just start thinking about entertainment yeah. so that's kind of where it started and then i've told the story on my websites but like then i i was shooting a lot of playmates for fun and you know things like that and i met this one playmate i'll never forget her uh karen witter who was dating the record producer keith forsey and keith was produced billy Idol and produced Charlie Sexton, and he did the soundtrack to Breakfast Club. So hmm. oh, everybody yeah. knows that soundtrack. Yeah. So I took a portrait of him for fun. He was so cool. He lived up at um, in Beverly Hills in, uh, he he was the protege of, I don't guys ever heard of Giorgio Moroder, who was this famous producer who produced like Donna Summer, and he kind of created disco basically. Oh, uh, wow. So that, I made this little promo card of Keith, and I sent that out to magazines, and that, the only magazine that called me back was Musician Magazine, and gave me my first music shoot. And by my second music shoot was Maurice White from Earth, Wind, and Fire, and he was my hero. So that opened, that changed my life. I knew right then and there I was going to shoot music, and I was going to shoot all my heroes. Because next to photography, music's always been my passion since I was a kid. Yeah, and, and, and,
0: and you play, you you play a little bit, right? No, oh God, no. no. I've, held, <laughs> I've
2: I've owned fifty guitars at one mm-hmm. point. I've owned three drum kits, uh, gear, speakers, monitors, because I would shoot for companies. And this used to drive my musician friends crazy. Like, I would shoot for, like, you know, I would shoot for... You know Steinberger guitars or fucking Pence's, All these people, they would give me shit because they couldn't afford to pay me. Yeah. So I would go like, they go, how much to shoot? You know, um, Mark Knopfler. I one time I had to shoot him for Pencas Store, Uh, and they're like, how much? I go, I want five thousand dollars. They're like, we don't have that kind of money. We'll give you five hundred. I go, how about give me five thousand dollars worth of gear? And they would give you that instead. Same thing happened with Drum Workshop. I shot for Drum Workshop for twenty years. And they gave me drum kits and i would just
0: either <laughs> give them to my friends or just sell them or something you know so yeah because i know the story i don't i know of, some um, bar chords yeah hey there that's all you need i know the story of um the selling the guitars to finance the jeremy music video that's yes. why i asked so yeah
2: because uh at the time i had a pretty good collection and i look back on it now and i wish i had it now because i had some signed guitars by nirvana Oh man, I had, I had some signed shit. By I, I had some really good shit. I sold because I had to raise twenty thousand dollars for the the Pearl Jam video, and so I sold half the collection. I sold the other half to go see Jane's Addiction's last show in Hawaii, in September of ninety one. Um, so that's kind of like I always tell people that's one thing I'm. Uh, to the, it's like to this day I'm crazy in that like. I always tell people whatever it takes to get the job done, whatever it takes to get, if I have an idea or a vision, I don't give a fuck what it's going to cost, what it's going to take. It has to get done, you know? So yeah. I, I'll do it.
1: I think stepping, stepping back real quick, I just want to let the followers know. So we met Chris, we we met you back when we had 29,000 followers. I was looking at our, uh, we have a Google doc. Back we, when
0: we enjoyed social media. And we <laughs> were
1: like, yeah exactly <laughs>
0: back when we were all young yeah. i know you know what we're talking when, about <laughs> when
1: social media was young it did it wasn't so you yeah know, and we but we had we have an email in here and we're like you know trying to like hey we have twenty nine thousand followers we'd love to because chris had messaged you about using a photo and you responded and, and you were like yeah you guys can absolutely thanks for asking and we're like dude i think we should like talk to this guy he's you know taking pictures of literally how long ago was that it was the the 2018 first contact, so yeah I think it was 2018 three was and a half first, years ago we did it we've since then we did a giveaway uh in 2019 well we, we did the Prince giveaway with you probably later 2018 or was it 2019 as well that was
0: right in the end of 2018 i think back once again back when we liked social media we were trying to get you to uh, i think 10,000 followers so we ran a giveaway that, that got you a good good portion of the way there yeah. um yeah yeah
1: it did it did really well a lot of people we, oh that was a lot of fun we gave away some awesome stuff and then we actually then we did the giveaway with bexley at like we were at like 70k now we're at like 320 which is crazy and it's like three years later so yeah
2: well, I don't maybe know. we can it's, we can do it again because I need followers. So yeah, and I have a yeah. lot of leftover shit here from the Grunz exhibition. I just gave away a Pearl Jam frame print to my makeup artist uh, two days ago because she came over here going, It's my dad's birthday uh, in a few weeks in Chicago. And I said, Yeah. And she goes, I gotta go get my dad something really Good. I said, what are you asking me? She goes, well, he loves Pearl Jam. And I went here, I just picked up a print frame, print from go, here, give him this. I'm sure he'll be very, very happy. She's like, really? I go, Yeah, he'll be, trust me. He, if he's a Pearl Jam fan, he's going to love this. She's like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> <this is> <laughs> well, obviously, and that was that was the best era of them too. I mean, you were there at the, uh, well, I, I know we've had conversations and, and Pearl Jam in, in your estimation hasn't been good after 1992, but you were there, you were there right when they were at the apex there. <laughs>
2: Well, look, I, you know, I tell this to all people, like, if you want to talk about, let's get into the whole grunge music thing is that, look, I, you know, and like any era of music, you know, like I always tell people, you go back to the seventies for me, like when jazz fusion was like at its peak yeah. and you had like, you know, weather, weather report and return to forever and Mahavish New there that, that was a big period of my life and a big music that I was into uh same thing with funk in the 70s nothing lasts forever and you know no musician can you know i was there very few bands that can put out you know a handful of great albums and besides the beatles i always say there's i'd give the next step to uh u2 i think u2's done a great job of great album after great album um but i you know i tell people like i'm i guess i'm biased but i loved. i loved 10 like not only musically uh, I loved what it means to me and all the different things that it meant to me at the time. After that, there's some songs that I like, um, but not whole albums. And, and and then you know, and I don't I don't even really listen to all that much grunge music in a sense. Once in a while, if I shouldn't say that, if I put on anything, I put on the MTV Unplugged records. Okay. You know, Pearl Jam, Allison Chains, and Nirvana. And the Allison Chains one, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest MTV Unplugged mm. out record and the greatest Allison Chains record ever um, yeah. i can argue that with any music fan um but I, I So when what, i put right music you- on i'm gonna listen to, uh-huh. i always said when i put music on i was just doing this shooting yesterday i put on my high school music i put on some earth wind and fire the commodores or you know something from yeah i grew up in the hood so i, would say I, I play funk mostly hmm
1: Nice. Well, hey, real quick, why 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 the Alice in Chains Change uh, unplugged? If you can give the the people love asking in the comparison between those two. Did you? Just, well, let's you just okay. So let's go better? let's go
2: back in history. Uh, you guys weren't there, but so when the, you know what, I, and I'm going to forget the names of them. But when Allison Chains put out that first EP of acoustic, not it wasn't. Oh, sap, just wasn't?
0: the sap the sap one was the first one, and then Jar of Flies was a yes, few years exactly. later.
2: I, you know, when Allison came, Allison Chains came out with that first record and the song, I you know, man in the box and it ain't like that mm-hmm. so to this day, it ain't like that is to me the greatest stripper song of all times. Like I play it for all my stripper friends. Um, but then when they came out with SAP, it just was like, oh, you just got to see truly how talent they were. And it's yeah. the same thing when it's another I always repeat myself. It's the same thing when Nirvana came out with Nevermind, right? I already knew Bleach. I already had Bleach and played that to death. Right. But when you listen to Nirvana, I used to tell my friends back then, like, you listen to Nevermind, you're just like, these are just a bunch of pop songs <laughs> at the end of the day. Simple pop songs with a catchy riff and a catchy hook, and but a bunch of noise. And... And you said, if you strip that down, they're simple pop songs. Well, when they go to acoustic, you can then really see they are simple pop songs, Yeah. you know, with a lot of passion and emotion and whatever. And it's the same thing with like, I think it, I tell this to all my friends and bands all the time. It's like, if you can't play your music acoustically, then I we got a problem, you know? Um, mm. So I believe that's I like where that. you really get to see the songwriting, uh, the skill of songwriting, the skill of writing lyrics is when things are done acoustically and i think when they did put out when alice and chains put out sap i just thought that was just blew my mind and like i said i always tell people i love alice and chains i mean they're in my top five favorite bands out of seattle but i just i love their
0: acoustic stuff way more yeah way more how do you not i don't know how do you not absolutely the mtv
2: (laughs) performance is just crazy good like yeah seriously
0: especially you know given the the conditions that it happened and everything but that's a really good point and and we talked about this uh maybe a few episodes ago about the whole pop thing and and that's really what it is and you know popular music at the time there are there's a lot of commonalities like you said with the uh, catchy choruses and the and, and everything like that and and we've we've learned that if you want to piss off any grunge rock fans you call nirvana pop and that goes back to the whole everybody gets so caught up in these labels and everything but it's really what it is it's you know, it's pop music and it, and, how it and, uh, any
2: of your fans that listen to this if they have an issue with my comments please contact me let me know we can debate it we can discuss it because <laughs> i have no problems discussing it because i'll tell you like you know i mean let's just you take nirvana songs they're pretty they're just like i said without the noise they're just really pop not pop in that they're just simple You know, and I've said this my whole life about art, art in general, the simplest stuff lasts the longest. Mm. Everybody in this, you know, who's listening to this and everybody, you know, you and all three of us, we can all hum a Beatles tune. But how many of us can all hum a Frank Zappa tune? You know, please. (laughs) That's a good point. And I love, I worship Frank Zappa. You know, I saw him twice, blew my fucking mind. But come on now, who can hum, who can hum Don't Eat Yellow Snow or Penguins in Bondage? I'm sorry, I can't. But you can all hum a Beatles tune and you can hum a fucking Nirvana tune. It's the same thing with art. Like if you look at all my photography, it doesn't matter what my subject matter is. I keep it really simple. It's really simple. So uh, I just feel I've always felt that simple lasts the longest. And especially if you look at a lot of the, you know, there were complicated songs coming from the from Seattle during that time. and. And they weren't the, you know, there was, you know, they, all, the grunge bands. All, there was a lot of grunge bands that didn't come from Seattle. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. And my favorite, not from Seattle, is the Afghan Wigs. Mm-hmm. I think
0: I think Greg Dooley is a fucking genius. Yeah, and he's still he's still creating fresh music and he's done a lot with Mark Lanigan, you know, and yep. different different projects like that. And and that's the thing and, and similar to you, you know, a lot of these musicians if they're still here, they're still working and and people a lot of times gloss over everything post 1994 for example, but it's like I mean, fuck, there's there's 27 years worth of material and 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 new inspiration that people are putting out into the world. And and I imagine it's the same for you. I mean, there's probably things that have become inspiring to you since then that you've wanted to explore creatively that, you know, you probably want people to see and, and, and you're prideful about. Right. There's a lot I did
2: before it, and a lot I did after it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to give myself a commercial break here by saying, look, I tell this, I've said this for a long time, especially since I started my greatest hits project 11 years ago. Everybody has seen one of my photos. Everybody. Yeah. They just don't know it's me. Right? Right. And I would say starting with George Michael's faith. You know, it's like, yeah. hello, who hasn't seen that photo? So, you know, I take pride in the fact that I i always tell people the thing I'm most proud of is that not only have I been doing this for 50 years, but I've done all sorts of different things, not just I, like I always music. My music work is a third of my work. It's yeah. you know, there's so much more. So uh, and that's the same thing with like a lot of bands. And I like to relate to musicians than I do, because, you know, you take a, somebody like Greg Dooley who is a genius and who's done the Twilight Singers and the Gutter Twins and he's done the wigs and he's done solo and he's done this and he does the best cover tunes you'll ever hear. And just like he's just, he's a genius in that sense. A lot of guys, you know, I always tell people you got to get out of that, you know, your bubble once in a while and push yourself and challenge yourself to take it to that next level as difficult as it is. You can't just keep writing the same song over and over again or play the same song over and over again.
0: Yeah. And, and you that's an interesting. Yeah, you, you could. It's just, you know, it's it, it's probably not going to be as enjoyable. And it's always <laughs> funny because you'll get music fans, you know, for, for the sake of, you know, what we normally talk about. And they get pissed when an artist changes the creative yeah. direction that they go in. But like, I mean, could you imagine? And I always relate it back to whatever that person's doing with their life. If they had to do the same thing every single day for 30 years, I mean, they, they would get pissed well, off bored about it too you know they want to change that's their creative what I, direction honestly but that's what i say to people
2: all the time like if i'm famous for george michael faith am i supposed to shoot that same lighting setup for the rest of my life fuck mm-hmm. no i i you know when i was a kid this photographer told me i was like probably a teenager and he says to me all oh, unique son you need three tricks and those three tricks lighting camera film you can have a whole career for that i'm like fuck three tricks three tricks i'll do that every fucking month i'll change up All the time, I'm not going to sit on one thing. Uh, That's why I always tell. I joke with my music friends these days. I tell all the young ones I shoot, like, dude, all you need is three hit songs, three hit songs, and you can spend the rest of your life playing county fairs every summer. And just you don't even have to have all the original members. One member, three songs, you can play county fairs for the rest of your life. You're on your way. You're like, and then you get your winters off, summers you work. Winters are off, and you like, you live the good life. <clears throat> but I can't imagine. I tell people, can you imagine being Phil Collins and having to play Sue studio over and over again for the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. or like being like Alison Chains, you know, everybody's has, you know, he, you know, Jerry's a genius, you know, puts out new records. But we still want to hear Wood or Man in the Box. Get through all the other shit so we can really hear the songs we really want to hear. <laughs> exactly. It's That's like why we gotta, came here. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. like there's
0: mutual, like, it's like I humor you by listening to your new stuff and you humor me by playing the 30-year-old stuff. And it's just yeah, like, exactly. weirdly transactional we about, at times. We talk about that a lot, too. We Yeah.
1: Yeah, we we talk about like bands and how you can see when they just you can just tell they mail they sometimes they've mailed it in and they're yeah because you playing, saw
0: Weezer, Ethan, right? You yeah, saw them. and Weezer, Obviously, everybody wants to hear all the old stuff, yeah. and, and they were just going through all of the motions, right?
1: Yeah, it's just you know it just and you get that with a lot of the bands on their last legs, where like I think Blink Blink One Eight Two is pretty bad, but at, at the end because they were doing this the, kind of the same thing and yeah, it's just it, you know and they, and you had to match the intensity of when you were younger a lot of times, and that's
2: just impossible. It's hard when you're in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and that's probably a lot of what makes like you were saying Chris what makes, you know, some of the first records so special is because there's that energy there and and it's not that's not something you can recreate 10 years later yeah. or something you can recreate well, 25 years later. You
1: only get one debut album and I think we we've, we've talked about it too. It's like there's a reason that 10 was I mean it's the first time that they're making music together or like or the other I don't know the debut albums just have so much more. Well, there's this, uh, so I have
2: this philosophy. I have this philosophy. If you look at a lot of great first albums in a sense, or great bands that start out, this is my philosophy. And this is just my opinion on all of this madness is that look, when you're young and you're not like a kid, but you're young and you're starting out, you're starving. And it makes you write. It makes you dig deeper and because you got nothing else going on, you got no food, you're living in a sleeping on a floor, maybe like Eddie Vedder talks about, you know, how he was just struggling and, you know, that, in, that kind of lifestyle inspires you deeply and you, you're, you're maybe it's a lot of anger, maybe yeah. it's angst, you know, look at fucking the sex pistols. They were angry because they yeah. were probably had nothing and they've got lots to be angry about, you know, so you have that whole thing. Then you put out the record, let's you know use 10 as an example, and you become a multimillionaire. And then in your, your nirvana and you become multimillionaires, The next record, you're like, what do you write about? You know, at that point, you're living in a fat house you paid cash for. you know, you got a gardener and a fucking, you know, life is good. you can go to the grocery store all that stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, what am I going to be angry about? I have nothing to be angry about. I have nothing. Where's my angst coming from? Where's my fucking passion coming from? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, I always tell people, I'll tell you this honest to God truth. So I, when I met everybody and I think I shot Nirvana March of 91, it was my first shoot with them. I had to buy Dave Grohl a hundred pairs of drumsticks because he had no drumsticks. I bought the guys <laughs> food because they had no food. I took care of them. I like whatever you guys need. I gave Eddie Vedder a fender Strat guitar, I wish I had back to this day. <laughs> I took care of them. I was buying shit for them. they had nothing. And yeah. I they considered me like the big Hollywood photographer, mm-hmm. the big time. And I was like, I'm starving too, guys. By the end of 91 into 92, they were all millionaires. Right. I had more friends become millionaires than ever and the last time last conversation i had with kurt cobain was hey kurt how you doing oh it's great look it's weird chris it's weird i'm like what's so weird kurt he goes it's weird when i take 20 dollars out of the atm machine my balance is fifty i i'm like wow kurt that's real tough i'll never know what that's like <laughs> but it's really interesting yeah and you know and nova sell i'm asking nova nova Selic tells me he's excited he's bought it he just bought his first house is that great chris all you're going to have to worry about now is the mortgage payments. He goes, no, I paid it all off in one payment. Yeah. Like, oh, Chris, that's real tough. That's really. <laughs> you know,
0: real like that difficult. sense of urgency just kind of evaporates right. you know, once you have that success. And it's hard. I don't think that's something you can probably access if it's not for real.
2: And it, like a lot of people, I've seen it with all kinds of actors and yeah. people. It's yeah. just you change and you have no choice. Some fight it. You know, I think Eddie Vedder fought it, you know, as hard as he could about keeping his You know, punk rock roots, as you want to say, Um, but a lot of people. But then it's like, you know what? Stop fighting it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. What you know? Also, with you know, the money and the fame, you can put it to good use. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be a miserable, depressing, pressure thing. And I think, like I said, I think always felt like Eddie. You know, I haven't talked to a guy in 20 some odd years, but like I felt like he first had fought it all. But I think eventually he realized, hey, wait a minute, this could be something I could use for good. I think a lot of those guys did. A lot of the guys in Seattle, you know, back in the days, they talked a lot about, you know, don't sell out. You know, as soon as they're starting becoming money and success, don't sell out, don't be a sellout. And all those fuckers that didn't sell out were punk rock and too cool. You know, they're all working at FedEx now, delivering packages and working at Starbucks and getting me my coffee because they were just too cool. And I always tell people all the time, sell out, man. You get an opportunity
0: to sell out, sell out, (laughs) trust me that is it's it's funny that you say that because we've had that exact conversation ethan and i and and i agree with you i mean like why why are we romanticizing not being successful and not taking care of yeah. yourself you Why'd know you pick i mean up it's, the guitar in the first place if you didn't want to be successful right <laughs> yeah. it's like there's two things you want to make a lot of money and you want to talk to a lot of girls like that's basically no why no, no, no. Musicians. excuse
2: me chris it's not you don't want to talk to a lot of girls you want to fuck a lot of girls.
0: chris now we, we got we got that's another podcast for another day we're
2: gonna have a little man-to-man talk, yeah we'll okay? have to
0: have to have that one for the, uh, for the, for the bonus subscribers. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, it's just like, ex- it, it, I'm going to have to explain the facts of life to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please educate me. I'm, I am I need to, I need to be taught, but I, I mean, it's totally true. It's like, why, why, as soon as that's attainable, why are people expected to not attain it? I mean, it's right there right. for you. I mean, shit. Yeah. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll people. Yeah. And you know, and that costs money. <laughs> so yeah, you better exactly. make some
2: fucking money. But yeah, I think a lot of times too, that um, you know, when I look back at those days and I, I, I smile about them all, and I'm, I always tell them, I'm, my whole life is that, you know, uh, I got a million stories and the photos to prove it. That's my yeah. tagline. Yeah. Um, but I think about Seattle and grunge, and I think about the people and the relationships and all the good times. You know, I haven't, like I said, I just, I don't really, I wasn't their friends, and I, I had to learn that lesson the hard way. I thought I was, but I re- learned on later on that I wasn't. Um, and it's okay you know, now it's okay, but it, there was a time it hurt. Um, because you realize what you, as I grew older and, and, and doing stuff in my uh, in my career, not just them, but everywhere, you start to realize pe- there's friends and then there's business acquaintances. And these people were business acquaintances. Um, and, but I, I had incredible moments and uh, so many great moments. I can't even, it's amazing to me. And I tell people, I think about all the things I did that I didn't have a camera with me, which makes me mad. Like the Nirvana show at the Paramount theater in October and 30, uh, Halloween. I was there on the side of the stage. I can see myself on the video the <laughs> night before they played Vancouver, BC at the Commodore ballroom. And it was Nirvana and mud honey. It was the best show I'd ever seen. Uh, mud honey was on fire that night. And, um, I didn't bring a camera. It's like, like, what the fuck? But um, so many great moments, so many great parties and just people in general. Do you think that like, I mean, you didn't bring a camera,
1: but, you know, because sometimes, I mean, I don't take enough photos of, you know, general stuff. So, you know, you got to experience those things like, you know, without having the responsibility of having a camera. So you take it back because you want to be able to just, you know, have actual like photos or be like, like, why, why you take photos all
2: the time. So why? Why well, did you I think at that time, t- t- yeah, no, but at you that know? time, I felt like at that time, it was just like you know, it was expensive to do. You know, every yeah. time I shot a yeah. show for fun, it was a thousand dollars because film and processing. Wow. So you know, I was I can only do so much, and I was at, during that time I was spending most of my money following Jane's addiction around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't regret it at all. I mean, yeah. sometimes you have to go and go to have fun. Like,
1: well, just, I would say I, I find that too. Like sometimes when I go to a concert, I'm like, I'm not going to take my phone. Now. I'm just going to enjoy the moment. And then like yeah. you know, two days later, I'm like, damn, I really should have videoed that. That's like, yeah. you know, because you don't know what's going to, you know, you don't know. So like another question that I wanted to kind of get into, like when you when this all was going on, did was there a sense that this – the scene, you know, you know, grunge. It was gonna blow up. Did could you could you feel the water shifting? Because you lived through yes. it. We didn't live through it. Did you know what you're doing? Is that why you're like, I need to have my camera on? Because uh, camera on me at all times. Because, like you said, the Paramount. Like you never until you go back. You're like, damn. If I would have photos of that, like that's just. I mean, that would just be awesome. But you never knew right. what that concert was until 25 years later. So I was gonna say, can you talk about like kind of being in it, like kind of feeling like. Is there, like, feeling the change as it's happening? I feel like that. Yeah, was- you
2: did, You definitely, I definitely sensed it in that. I'll, I always tell people, the first sign of something's different was the first time I saw Soundgarden when Loud Love came out, Louder Than Love, whatever it was, came out. And I saw Soundgarden at the Whiskey and seeing Chris Cornell for the first time. And that was, like, in 89. That was after I'd spent doing George Michael and all this pop stuff. And then... Seeing Chris uh, first time just was like, oh, God, what the fuck is this? Who is this kid? Like, unbelievable. That just was the first shifts, like the big one. Then I think it was the first time I saw Nirvana was like, oh, shit. And then I think that was at at the Roxy. But then seeing Pearl Jam the first time was like, holy fuck. But I got obsessed with sub pop records at a very early age in sub pop. So Seattle, I was... I collected everything that Sub Pop made, mm-hmm. um, and when I first met Jonathan and Bruce, I bought test pressings off of them. I bought—they were so poor; they would sell me anything, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would buy stuff, and I had—I at the end, I had—I had everything they made, at every limited edition, every single, every LP, every color, you name it, I had it. And I ended up selling the entire collection to Eddie Vedder for like three thousand bucks. Wow. Yeah. Um, but like you saw it, you know, you just saw it, the slow build. And the difference for the moment, I always tell people the funny moment was for me. So I'm got, in 91, I'm following Jane Zix around everywhere I can. I'm shooting Jane's because they're my favorite band. They're amazing live. You know, they're just blowing my mind. I worship them. And the last, the last Lollapalooza, the first Lollapalooza, the last show in Seattle. In September '91, I Eddie Vetter, myself, and his girlfriend Beth, the three of us drive to that show together. We go stop at a liquor store, grab a couple King King Cobra forty ouncers You know, we're having the best day of ever. We get to we get to the the venue. You know, I get passes for the, them. Uh, I take them backstage because uh, I shot Jane's a bunch. They knew me. Yeah. Um, so I take him backstage and I'm introducing Eddie to all these bands. To, hey, Dave Navarro, to Jane's, to everybody. And Eddie worships all these bands. You know, he loves, you know, everybody, basically. I mean, they're like, Eddie, Chris, who's this Eddie guy? Like, who's this Eddie guy? Like, oh, he's in Pearl Jam. Who the fuck is Pearl Jam? Yeah, Everybody's asking that, that question. Like, they're this amazing band. Come, they're from Seattle here. They're amazing. You're going to love them. And then a year later, 92, you know, Pearl Jam's playing Lollapalooza and set with Soundgarden. So it's weird to see all that. I've watched a lot of that stuff. I've seen that with a lot of just in artists in general, bands in general, where you I, I can go, yeah, this person's special. There's something's going to happen here. And then it does. And it's really cool to, um, it's cool to see. Sometimes I watch people self-destruct or can't handle it. And I see some people right. who can handle it really well. But being there, I just go, every time I went back to Seattle, you could see the difference. You know, every, tri- like something was changing, you know, next thing you know, Sub pop is doing better. All of a sudden, they got money and they've got better offices, and you know. And then um, the big sign I always tell people is that if you look at the first year of Pearl Jam, is a good example. You know, they, Eddie's wearing the same T-shirt pretty much the whole year. And the first sign of a band <laughs> making a band making money is start looking at the clothes. They they start wearing nice new clothes. Yeah, and it make me t-shirt. laugh. It, it you could see, like I said, look at the first shoot with Nirvana. They're like. That's not grunge. That's just all they could afford. Yeah, it's just what they, yeah, exactly. And then, and then, and then I would I tell it becomes people, contrived. Like, yeah, yeah. They, be they didn't have else. a stylist running around buying them custom flannels. Yeah. You know, they're just poor people. And so, um, it's, 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 it's like I said, you, I got to watch it all. I watched, got to watch friends become millionaires, got to see them all. Some handle it. Some didn't, you know, Lane couldn't handle it for multiple reasons. Um, but it's sad, you know. It's it's it's. But it's like it, it's not all just. It's not just grunge that that that's gone through. That's gone through right. know, the history of mankind and yeah. In yeah. music world, you know, all sorts of people went through crazy things. To great artists couldn't handle certain yeah. Things.
0: And that's not like you said. That's not even specific to music. I mean, probably just entertainment or anything that you're going to be in the public eye. And and certainly you've probably had you know photographer friends or, or whoever. You know, it's everybody has a certain capacity to handle fame or right. whatever. Oh, and- I,
2: like I said, I've seen it. I, you know, I've been shooting in LA for 40 years now and I've watched actor friends and people come and go, you know, and that's why I tell people all the time, not, the last probably 10 plus years where I, I, when I meet young art, cause all I do nowadays is shoot young people mm-hmm. and I give them my, like, I have these speeches. I give them all is like, number one is manners be fucking nice every musician i've ever shot for the last 20 years i tell them all every one of them be iggy pop there's a reasons why iggy pop is still around and he's like 500 years old is because the guy is the nicest man you'll ever meet he walks into a shoot and says hello my name is iggy he introduces himself to everybody gets their names We do the shoot at the end of the shoot. He says, thank you. He runs around shaking everybody's hand and please. And thank you. You're just like, you're like dealing with the most amazing person ever. And I tell my, all my young musicians, friends, don't be a fucking asshole. Don't ever be nice to your publicist. Be nice to me. Be nice. The last time I shot Soundgarden and Chris was giving me shit. I always tell people the story. He was, you know, picking on me, being a jerk to me, not, you know, in a fun way. And I was like, come on, guys. I get, you know, I, I w- my attitude was always "Hey, the sooner we get started, the sooner we shoot, the sooner we can all go home and do what we really want to do, because I really don't I don't want to be here just like you guys don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes having their picture taken. So I'm, last time I was shooting Chris, he was making fun of me and picking on me in front of everybody. And I just said to him, you know, Chris, you know, what's more difficult than doing a photo shoot. And he's like, what? I go, being the photographer has to shoot your ass. So shut up, sit on the Apple box and just look at the camera for me and we'll be done in two minutes. Mm. And he's like, all right, all right. And I'm like, I go, come on, quit making my life difficult. Yeah. So I don't sit there and, you know, I used to yell at musicians all the time. Just get it out. Show up, stare at the camera and get it over with and let's move on, you know. Yeah. So I, I get it again. I've been a long time I've been there, but I just think that everybody... Handles it differently. Um, My advice to a lot of them all the time is when you start making money, spend some money on a therapist. You know, twice a week will help you a lot and deal with some of your demons. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Um, But like a lot of times, young talent, I meet people that are like, oh, I worship, you know, Kurt Cobain. And and they come to me like, what was it like? And I just said, you know, Kurt was the nicest guy ever, literally the nicest guy ever. Um, And I think if anybody was married to Courtney Love, who knows how
0: you'd feel about life? It's Very uh, true, yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, if you get somebody coming up to you, it's like, oh my god, you know, Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell, whatever. You know, I think a lot of people, especially people our age who are younger who weren't around, they kind of forget that these were people, and you know, that they were, in a lot of ways, kind of just like just like you or just like us, and you know, they just no different,
2: they- just, just no different, just a lot of talent, really good talent. Yeah, exactly. You know, Chris Cornell, I think, uh, I think sad since his passing is getting the recognition he kind of deserves um but i i knew it from the day i met chris that yeah. guy was that guy was one of a kind not even you know one of a kind uh, yeah. and same thing you know i'm massive you know george michael fan and i tell people all the time that george michael was uh, one of the greatest songwriters and people don't give him the props for that but they do now
0: yeah, you see, it's, you know. it's strange how sometimes it takes, unfortunately, it takes an artist's or a entertainer's or an actor's or actress's yeah. death for someone to take a second look and for, you know, them to get their due. And it's it's such a shitty thing because it's like, why couldn't, what, what's different, you know, when well, it's what's like, different, you know? I can tell you guys, I, I've been saying this my
2: whole career, that I'll be rich and famous when I'm dead and gone. And everybody can, my best friend, Jason, he knows this, I've told him a million times, When um, they have my memorial and people are talking about how great I was and how amazing I was, I said to him, Jason, ask them if they told, did you tell Chris that when he was alive? And if they say no, I go, Jason, you punch him in the face really hard and then kick him out of the memorial. And then I go, if when they have the retrospective of my career at at the New York Met, I go, if anybody says anything like that, just punch him in the face. I, I tell these people to fuck off. You know, I was great and you should know that, you know, I am, I always tell people all the time, I am the greatest photographer in my
0: apartment. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Maybe on the block, maybe on my
2: block, (laughs) but I'm good with that. Give
0: yourself the block, maybe the neighborhood. Well, um, goes without saying, we think you're great. Um, (laughs) you know, so we don't want to get, I'm not as dumb as I look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I want to get,
2: what's it? Go ahead.
1: All all, all I was going to say, I'm always impressed when, when you post, a, a person that I didn't know you shot, and I'm like, oh shit, he posted them. And another another is like, oh, he posted like comedians, actors, like fo- uh, you know, basketball players. I'm just like, they really, Ethan, he really? You have no legit- idea. I was like, is there any? I, I was like, how do you cross paths with like everybody? I'm well, always, not, I'm you know, always here's impressed. A, That's and when you say yeah. you're not like a music photographer, I know this. I'm like, I'm telling people, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have like this photographer on. He took, he took all these, like really like all the big guys, but really he's taken like people that, I mean, you would be interested you know, there's people that like, I want to ask about and and hear about how those interactions were because it's just like.
2: Well, I can tell you guys, like honestly, Ethan, it's like, this is the thing where I always tell people, I don't, I can sit here and drop names all day, every day. Right. And I don't like doing that. I go into clubhouse rooms and these photographers are dropping names to get, you know, it's, I call it celebrity validation. You know, I'm like, I'm a photographer. And you're like, okay, whatever. And I go, well, you know, I shot Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Oh, then
0: like it's like like celebrity. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like, shut up. You know, I I my joke to people all the time is like they go, you know, when photographers think they're special, I'm like, okay, cool. You're like amazing. I'm no, I'm not gonna argue with you. You're amazing. Your photos are amazing. But the difference between me and you is I go, I, I have iconic photos of icons. And I go, and most importantly, when I really when my friends And I'm not being a jerk here for you listeners, because I'm a smartass. Everybody knows that. But my friends, we fuck around when we talk shit to each other, because I'm from the hood. I was like, yeah, but you know, the difference between me and everybody else? Chris Cornell wrote a song about my photo. So let's let's...
1: get into this.
2: (laughs) I (laughs) tell people all the time, like, so if Chris writes a song about your photo, you call me. Otherwise checkmate (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna be
0: holding my breath for that exactly you know it's like and and that's the thing and it's always funny because you've definitely found yourself in that situation where somebody's playing celebrity validation and you know you have like 46 things in your toolbox that you could just end their life with right there my other joke when i i I, my friend my i have all these friends and
2: i've met 50 people in clubhouse and i love the app all my friends are fucking amazing i have two guys that are like my brothers now it's amazing, right? And and one of them, when I first met him, he's a, a he, he he saw like I'm doing. I love doing weddings, and I'm like, yeah, I got. He goes, have you ever shot a wedding? I'm like, yeah, I did one once. He goes, just one? I go, yeah. <laughs> I go, I don't like the pressure of shooting a wedding. It's a really stressful. And I go, if you fuck up, there's no take two. You can't do a reshoot. And he's like, yeah. I go. He goes, but like. W- and I go back in my day. I go, we had to shoot film, and it was a lot more difficult, and you had to focus and didn't. You? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I go, but the wedding—it was only Tom Hanks's wedding, anyways. <laughs> and he and he looks at me and he goes, what? And I go, yeah, he's, I just did Tom's wedding for them and Rita, and, and, and they're like, oh my god. I go, yeah. So if you do Tom Hanks's wedding, you retire. You yeah, you don't have to do another away wedding. On top. Yeah. Drop the mic and just go away, you know. And, so, and they're like, "Holy!" I go, you "Guys, understand? Like, I, that's why I just like to remind people, I'm old. People, I'm 60. I've been doing this for 50 years." That
1: was, a, that was a that was a good one. I didn't expect the Tom Hanks
0: kick uh, punchline right there. <laughs> no, it's a, every every day <laughs> yeah, you learn you great. learn something new. Um, I want to get back to the um the L A thing, and that kind of ties in. Like, you just your words, not mine. You just said you're old. Um, and you've lived <laughs> in L A for a long time. What are what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, L A is the stereotype. Typical town where people go and they try to make it, and I'm sure you've seen you know tens of thousands of people you know come Every through day. that town. What what are, what are your thoughts on you know the people that you know want to move there? And I think a lot of people sometimes kind of have a you know um, enlightened or heightened sense of you know who they are, what they can bring to the table. But I mean, there's so many people who are doing it, and how do you how do people navigate well, okay. that? So I'll tell you guys.
2: The first day I moved to Los Angeles, got my I moved to L.A. with a thousand dollars in my pocket. I didn't know anybody. Luckily, I got a job working at a black and white lab in Hollywood. And the first day I'm starting that job, I meet my I meet my brother. Basically. I call him my big brother. I love this man more than anybody in my life. He's my he's my brother. Uh, I met him the day that day, and he gave me the speech that I give to everybody that moves here. Same speech. Rule number one: It's not what you know; it's who you know. And it's not who you know; it's who you blow. So if you're gonna fuck somebody or get fucked by somebody, it better be worth fucking don't waste your time on the little shit don't fuck little people over fuck big people over or get fucked by big people three biggest lies in hollywood checks in the mail my mercedes is paid for and i won't come in your mouth <laughs> uh three the, uh, uh, it's as a photographer he said to me as a photographer rule number one in photography it's not what you shoot it's who you shoot you could shoot the greatest pictures of a bunch of nobodies or a bunch of half-assed pictures of a bunch of somebodies and in hollywood they're going to care about the somebodies. And it's, it's so important to have, like I always tell people, nobody looks at my photography. You, when you look at my pictures, you're not looking at the lighting, the composition, the technique you're looking at. Oh my God, it's Nirvana. Nobody cares about, I could be, if the picture could be upside down and backwards. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's Nirvana. So that's why I say to people, I, so when I meet, I meet people all the time. I have Three photographers that moved to L.A. in the last six months I met from Clubhouse that I'm mentoring now. And um, I tell look, Hollywood is celebrity culture. And now the world is celebrity culture. So, again, it's about, you know, it's about the names. It's about the faces. And it's about, you know, it's we live in that crazy little world right now. And, you know, I always tell people I don't there's no more photography. There's no more music. It's all dead and gone. It's all just content 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 and so you know content creators make content like how many times are musicians are put you know these days they come to hollywood and i don't know like especially the last couple years because of covid but like all it is they make music all day long and then it's like and they put it out and every month they're putting out a single and a video and a single and you don't even have time to fucking care, care about any of it yeah you know what i mean it's just content
0: yeah, you you get, get on the get hamster on wheel and that's well, it.
2: They, you know, they said that over a million songs are released a year. Holy How crazy. shit. Yeah. A million songs. And think about that's competing against the pre- previously 500 million that They're already there. Right.
0: It's like, who's who's listening to all of this music. Yeah,
2: I have all these young musicians. I feel sorry for them. I, I yeah. feel sorry for them. You bet. I always tell them you better love what you do. If you think you're going to be rich and famous off of it, stop right now, go get a real yeah. job. Same thing with photographers. I tell mm-hmm. them all the time. If you think you can get rich and famous off of this shit, shut up.
0: Well, case in point, you know, how you must get inundated with aspiring photographers wanting you to look at their work or musicians wanting you to listen to their work. And it's just like, you know, if. people don't realize at times how many of those things are probably in your inbox on a given basis. Yeah, we you know, get just those saturated.
1: We get those. And we're not even like a professional like he is. So he probably right. yeah,
0: exactly. people care about our opinions.
2: Yeah. But people like, you know, Validation. this is where I, again, going back to the advice I give to people moving to LA is just remember that your dream that you have to be a rock star, there's a million people with that dream. And the only thing that separates you from everybody else is your work ethic. That's why when I moved to LA, after my friend gave me that speech and I just looked at it and I said, okay, cool. I got it. I get you. I hear you loud and clear, but there's not a fucker on this, in this city on this planet will outwork me. And if you tell me fucking Annie Liebowitz is working 15 hours a day, I'll start working 16 or okay. 17. Nobody outworks me. The only thing I always tell people, I can't, I can't control who likes me. Doesn't like me. Who hires me. Doesn't hire me. I can only control me and how hard I work. And there's nobody will outwork me to this day. Yeah. I, I work, all day i'm a workaholic so i work all day every day even when i'm supposed to be on vacation i'm still working so do you think do you think luck plays any part in it or
0: yeah yeah you so huge
1: comparing the landscape of you know when you if you were to get into photography right now you as a younger person do you think that doing it the same way would work or is it is it is it more luck now
2: because people are like what
1: what's uh, you know what's that
2: like to get into well, first of all, everybody can do my job. You guys can all do photography. Like I have people literally come to my exhibitions. I'm opening night, big night, right? Woohoo! People walk up to me, go, "Man, Chris, I can do your job. I can't. I can't you're right. I can't argue with it. you. Can, it. Anybody, everybody can take a great picture. Everybody does it every day. Great photos all day, every day. The difference is, is I like to remind them: Can you do it for fifty years and put up with all the assholes that I put up with? And can you do shoot icons and make iconic photos that will last the test of time? No, you can't. And that's like when I was young, when I was a young kid, you know, 10 years old starting out, my three heroes were Richard Avedon, Irving Penn, and David Bailey. David Bailey's still alive, thank God. But, you know, those, those photographers are my heroes. Their work will last forever. Forever in a day. And that's my, been my goal since day one, my goal has not changed in 50 years. I just want to create the greatest body of work that will last the test of time yeah. so far. So good.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you, do you feel, um, do you feel like you're, you're getting to that point? I mean, it's, it's probably got to be hard to know when you're in the middle of it, but like, say for example, you take a photograph, do you know, like, this is going to be iconic or this is important when you're taking it?
2: Um, it's different. It's changed a lot in the last 10 years for me. Um, yeah. I really don't, in the last 8 years i don't even look for work anymore i've mm-hmm. focused on exhibitions and other th- business things and writing and writing tv series and things like that i love you know i know what i've done and i'm proud mm-hmm. of every bit of it i don't i'm not an asshole i'm not i don't have an ego whatever i have great perspective on all of it cuz i always tell people like at the end of the day like nobody gives a fuck about i'm nobody i always tell i'm not famous i hate when people think tell me i'm famous i'm not famous at all yeah. I'm, I'm i'm my pictures are famous and the people i shot are famous that's the important thing i'm only famous to the people i owe money to they love me
0: (laughs) they know your name very well
2: (laughs) they call me all the time just to say they how much they love me yeah so i just think that you know i i know what's great and i i always tell people i know it's a good photo i just know and um i'm just i'm proud of that fact that uh i always tell people i'm proud of the fact that i'm part of people's history that i'm i'm proud of the fact that i'm part of chris cornell's history or a M- mud honey's history, a Nirvana, a pearl jam. I'm proud of that fact that I'm part of their history. You know, the brief second in that we worked together, did something together, hung out together. I'm part of that history of their life as well, and I take a lot of pride in that. And that I don't think anybody would say anything bad about me. I don't. I, I think I would be shocked, um, but I think they would all say like that. I, I, I. They trusted me. I did a great job. Um, you know, that's the stuff I'm proud of. Most of all, you know, I always tell people when I was 12, 13 years old, I talk about this a lot in clubhouse. The best advice, first, first best advice I ever got was the photographer told me that the most important piece of equipment you owned is your reputation. Mm. Um, and I tell people all the time that my reputation is that I talk too much. I'm annoying. I work too much. I don't pay my bills on time. And He's crazy, and I go. I can live with that reputation. (laughs) So you know, I'm not an asshole. I've helped everybody I can to this day. Yeah, Uh, I always tell people. People come to me all the time. I need free photos. Let's do it right now. You know, I go in clubhouse rooms to the music rooms, and I just tell musicians, "Can I make an announcement? Sure. Uh, Anybody need free photo shoot in Los Angeles? Let me know. I'll shoot you for free." Then they go. Then there's a pause, and they all go check out my Instagram, and then they come back going, "Oh my God, I'll be there. (laughs) I need a photo." I'm like, "Yeah, let's go. I'm going to help you out." I'm going to help you live your dream. So if I can do that, I win.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, I feel like you have a, well, I mean, obviously you reached out and responded to us pretty immediately and, and talked to us more than uh, what I think we expected. Um,
0: and more than probably was enjoyable for you. And but. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we, not at all, guys. And we've
1: we've kind of talked about it a little bit, and I think we wanted to. Me and Chris have been talking about it on the pod a little bit. And we talked about new music and and how we kind of want to work. And like you, I think you have a really good eye for all this stuff. And you do exactly what you say. You help people out, and you give like photos and and like. So what is what is the fascination with like helping people achieve their dream or like um, or like music uh, specifically? Uh, not just for it goes
2: back to. So I'll tell you guys a story here. Goes back to a, a the most important person in my life. Who I lost 10 years ago to cancer. Um, she helped everybody. And she was my business manager and she was my mom basically for 25 years. And I watched her help everybody and she inspired me. She made me what I am today. I, told, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for her. But she inspired me in, in doing that. And when she passed away, I promised her that I would, I would continue. Um, and so, you know, I just have felt that. And the last eight, Plus years, especially since I started Greatest Hits, you know I travel. I'm especially, you know, Australia or whatever. I'm doing things. I like to help. I just it doesn't it, it doesn't cost me any money because I don't have any. But it's like if I if I can take a little time out of my day to shoot somebody and give them some free pictures, uh, some fresh art or something, it it makes me happy. And I've met a lot of amazing people that way. My favorite singer in the world for the last, I think he's the greatest lead singer ever. I mean he's a genius his name is sam baker he's out of australia he was in a band called lepers and crooks and they broke up and he's going solo now he just i've re- helped him uh bexley how we all both know yeah. that she's amazing and I'm so passionate about her songwriting if i can't help her well, what the fuck am i doing you know um you know, to me and my I the the recently I shot Sick Brain, um, who's amazing. Check her out. It's S I I three I CK brain. Uh she's amazing. Um fucking she's brilliant, actually. Uh but I love like being able to just be like I said, I tell they all get shocked. I can't believe you're doing this. Like, it's the same thing I did with Nirvana. I, you know, Nirvana, I was in Seattle one time, I was shooting Queens Reich, and I called up John Silva and said, Hey John, is Nirvana around? He's like, yeah. And I go, I got a day off. Do you think they can do a shoot with me? He goes, Yeah, they got a new drummer in the band named Dave. Maybe you could do, shoot them. At what time? Three o'clock. Meet at a diner. You know, that I didn't shoot them thinking that's gonna be Nirvana. It's yeah. just Nirvana. You know, and so I can tell you a thousand stories just like that with a lot of artists. You know, I shot this actor once. He came over to my apartment. We hung out, and then I did pictures of him in the alleyway, the same place I shot Nirvana in, in my alley. His name was Brad Pitt. You know, it's like so. I continue to do that. I always did it. And I always will, if I can shoot, you know, I always tell people, would I rather sit inside doing work or would I have a camera in my hand and go out and take pictures. Yeah. So I think it's important. And young musicians nowadays, and I I always tell them, God, I get in huge battles with them. Look, you know, I shoot a lot of hip hop arts. I don't know if you know who BMW Kenny is. I met him on clubhouse. He came into LA. So let's do a shoot. He used one of my photos for his, single sleeve thing cover thing i was like dude i almost cried i was like thank you kenny um i go that's the first cover i've had in 10 years he goes wow how many have you done i go 300 because <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. I said, I know. But it's like, that's the first one in a long time. But I'm meeting these amazing artists. It's not my music. I tell them all the time. The last thing you want is me to go. This is great music because I'm a fucking six year old white guy. Like I'm like not your because I think all the music sucks today. Anything <laughs> past 2000 just sucks. But, you know. I hear once in a while, I hear good things once in a while, but yeah. you think, I think you guys have, you have to, when you get to the position, you can help and give back. You should, you should start, guys should start interviewing these, all these new artists, give them a voice, give them a place to share. It's the idea. If we all stick together and we help each other, we're going to all succeed. Exactly. You know, it's constantly, I, I mean, not lying. I do that all the time. Like this NFT thing. Uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm meeting NFT artists like crazy. Cause they're all helping me. My mentor's coming by today. I, I started a series of portraits of NFT artists. And so I hope in about a month, we're going to, I'm going to release the portraits. So they're going to be NFTs of NFT artists, portraits. And I'm doing it because these guys, you know, fun, they, they think it's cool that I'm taking their picture, but it's like, it's fun that they're like, like they've never done anything like this. They've never had their picture taken by a photographer like me. So it's kind of, again, it's, i I always tell people i put smiles on people's faces and i'm looking at the i'm looking at the big the big picture and the long term of my career so it's all that matters to me you know i'm here to have fun i always tell people in my entire life i've never had an easy day but i've always had fun
0: yeah and and i mean honestly looking back it's like what could be better than that it's like you know yeah you've had all of those experiences and you've had you know you've had fun you know yeah. i mean if, if you're not getting up in the morning and trying to enjoy yourself and and do the things you like like what what the fuck are you doing you know yeah
2: and i'm i'm cursed i'm you guys i've said this stuff to people all the time like i am cursed and i used to tell my therapist i was with for eight years there's a curse because i i couldn't stop if i wanted to right. it's yeah. cheaper and easier to be a heroin addict than to be me <sighs> a lot more fun to be a heroin addict because you can go to fucking rehab i can't do that i'm stuck in this shit i every couple of years i freak out and Threatened to get a real job, and everybody just laughs at me. Chris, there's no job; nobody will hire you. So I'm like, come on, do? there's got to be something. I want a real job. <laughs> no, they, just, I'm stuck, you know. Um, but I think it's important. You know, I'm at different different points in my career, all these different periods of my life, and I'm like I said, I'm 61 now, and I still think I'm 30 in my head. Uh, it's it's it blows my mind. It, it, life is just crazy. It's just crazy. That's why I tell everybody, all my young friends, I have lots of young friends. I tell them all, enjoy your youth, man. Enjoy your youth and pace yourself, you know, because you want to be able to do the things your whole life. You know, I'm proud of the fact that on my 60th birthday, fuck, and I was doing some bumps with some nice little Coke, you know, having a good time. Yep. Kind of little bumps. Ken and Barbie. I love my, yep, a lot of Ken and Barbie in my life so you know doing that kind of stuff is important to me that you pace yourself you know Uh, i don't i think it's important that we all do that
0: yeah are we running long
2: here guys i'm sorry
0: no no you're absolutely not so yeah we're right around so as, as we close in um what What's coming down the pipe from you and, and and where can people find, find your stuff aside from the the rebirth of the Instagram page?
2: Okay. So let's do this. First of all, let's do another giveaway because I can meet some new followers since my Instagram has gone. Yeah. Let's do a new, new giveaway. I have plenty of grunge print leftover prints. I'll, I'll send you guys some pictures of some stuff and you guys can figure out how to get rid of them. 100%. Um, what's coming up. If, if all goes well, and I want everybody out there to light a candle, say a prayer for me, but in 2022, I have to, I'm going to get back to doing exhibitions. I had to take two years off. Uh, the plan right now is March. I'm doing a Jane's Addiction exhibition here in LA. Greatest mm-hmm. Hits Jane's Addiction at Music Head Gallery. We're talking all about, we've are talking about. we been talking about that for a while. It's amazing. I worship Jane's Addiction. Trying to get the band involved. And then if all goes well, I'm going to go to, back to Australia and do Greatest Hits mm. uh, Top 40, which is going to be like the best of stuff. And then I'm doing my first non- music exhibition in 20 years i'm doing a dita bontis exhibition because i've been shooting dita for 20 years and i have a beautiful body of work of her Uh, and then my goal is to do uh my goal i'm working on the major one i hope at the end of next year i want to do a george michael exhibition in london Mm. Uh, i'm looking to try to do a greatest hits exhibition in either atlanta or seattle um my friend up in Seattle talked to a gallery for me. This is funny. He's like, she wants to do an exhibition. I go, uh, not a grunge one. And she goes, well, yeah. And I go, I am not doing a grunge exhibition in Seattle. Excuse me. But I go, like, <laughs> they'll beat the shit out of me. You yeah, bring burn your flannel shirt too. <laughs> like I'm not, Charles Peterson will come probably just jump me and beat the, like, it'd be embarrassing, right? You know, Lance Mercer probably laugh at me. They'd probably pick at the gallery. I don't know. But I said, I would do some a greatest sits type of thing of everything, you know, yeah. I'll toss in some grunge one. But I laugh about it. I was like, no, nah, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Not in Seattle. I'll do a regular one. So I'm trying. I hope next year I really want to get busy back to doing it, you know, doing exhibitions. I love doing them because as I tell people uh, be- why I started the project is everybody loves music and I have a lot of images that people remember and there's a lot of memories and remember that go with these images. So I make people smile.
0: That makes me feel good. Absolutely. That's super love- exciting.
2: I was going to say, yeah,
1: Chris, if we if, if we do a giveaway, I, I think I have like a few few ideas. I think we should give one. We have a, a, this this podcast. Is, we have some Patreons, some people that banded together, together to give us a few bucks each month. And I should, I think we should give some away to our, our top level Patreons or maybe. or maybe I agree. I know. I agree. That cool. That's a
2: great idea. And honestly, That's
1: a great idea. And honestly, if you're listening to the pod right now, I don't know how we could. If you're like, I feel like also the listeners to the pod should have first. They should have first pick too. Like I feel like we should give some. We'll do some stuff on the main page, obviously, to make traffic to your page because we got to get you some followers. Because you lost, I can't do lost
2: them all, dude. If we, if, I lost twenty. I had twenty. I was up to finally over twenty five thousand. I know you were moving. See, yeah, he actually, it was working. Did he ever like why? Why did it get? Did well, what ever happened get any, was
1: like explanation. No.
2: Yeah. So what happened was, and I'll I'll make this sh- very short. What happens one day, I got a, a message saying I posted something with some music or something. And about a day or two later, I got a post saying, Copyright infringement. Please click this link to report this, you know, to settle this. And I was like, What? That's really weird. Yeah. Like, I've never had that happen before. And it looked official from Instagram. So I clicked the link and it said, Add your username and password to sign in. And I added my username and password. Then the next window came up and said, Add your email and password. I went, Whoa, fuck that. This is not legit. By the time I about it, I just thought and so I stopped. And about 20 minutes later, I went, Oh shit, I need to go change the password. And I didn't have two-step verification because I didn't even really need it. I because I had right. the account for so long. Yeah. yeah. By the time I went back, it was already it was already hacked, it was Fuck. already taken. They changed everything. Yeah. So I've had many people, friends everywhere, I can get it back for you. We've tried everything um you know call do face but there's tech support is just horrible There is oh they're no
0: terrible support. yeah there's yeah. no
2: support whatsoever so i kind of started just resigning the fact like the only thing that bothers me is i had kafaro photo and that's you know printed on a million catalogs so i changed it to the kafaro photo yeah but um i'm still loosely trying when i can't when i have time for it. i've reported it's, it a thousand times yeah doesn't do anything
0: no they don't they, they don't pay much attention to that That's fear of uh the complaints or reports. No, they don't, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> I know. And my friends, my friend, my friend from high school
2: sent me a message saying my my niece works for Instagram. I said, oh, please. And he's been yeah. trying to help as well. So we'll see. I mean, who knows? I, I just, I just, it's, it freaked me out, stressed me out. And then I, like I said, I've had to let it all go. And it is, it always helps. It's just social media, whatever. It's not life. There's more important yeah. things.
0: Yeah. You're still you and still got to get up in the morning. So yeah. Exactly, I got work to do,
2: and the but the funny thing is, I'm trying like I've been posting things to kind of rebuild because I'm putting things that i had, had already yeah. put up, but I'm redoing it, kind of like because there's all these new people following me that don't know about all the other stuff.
0: Right. Well,
2: why you don't know, we? I just tr- i to say, why don't
1: we? I'm just because I'm I'm thinking right now. Why, if if you're listening right now, go over to the Kafara photo and like it, and we'll just say first person to message uh, message you, Chris, and say like you know yeah. I, I, I'm here from the podcast. Uh, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll do it that way, and then hopefully you get some traffic. So go over, follow, and send. Maybe not send them. A I, I would like to. We <laughs> got to do, <laughs> <we gotta> do, <laughs> do. We got to
2: do. We got to do something on the Patreon. We got to get you guys. People yeah. need to join the Patreon, and then we got to have like a raffle okay. or something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like where people. Uh, you know, what do you got? to, What kind of stuff do you? Uh, what do you have? Lying um, around? Let me. Like I said, let me figure that out. I got some leftovers from the Gruns exhibition. Some Pearl Jam, uh, um, Mud Honey.
1: We could raffle in each in each level because we have we have three levels. So maybe the first, the smallest could be like this a small something. And yeah. then
2: we have good, there's some good stuff. I have I have some good stuff. Um they're framed, they're beautiful, framed, very expensive stuff. But I had the sale last year and this year where I was trying to clean a house because I had so you should have seen how much stuff I had. It was oh really, my God, really bad. Yeah. And I keep, it's like, it's nice. You're like, Hey, I got all these prints, but like, I can't, you know, I don't hang shit up in my own house. I don't right. They do probably it.
0: don't help you sit sitting, sitting at home. You
2: know? Yeah. You know, I'm just trying not to sit there and, and get, I always tell people like, I don't hang up my own work. It's right. Like, that's be not behind it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. That'd be great if we will we'll work together on that and we will follow the other cardinal rule of Chris Cafaro, which is go big or shut the fuck up. Exactly. Um, that is, that is the important rule that is yep. uh has been very important to us. But you guys, you guys, you guys know
1: too. I was just gonna say, we wrote that on our, our initial document that we started, and it was like, <laughs> Go big and shut oh, the fuck that's up. That's
2: just, yeah, well, because people that's another complaint I have with young people these days. I keep yelling. I was had a friend over here yesterday, and I was yelling at her about, like, God, you know, everybody I meet these days under 30 has fucking ADHD, ADD. It's like it, all that comes out of people's mouths is, is excuses. And I'm, I, I start to sound like an old man, but I'm like, shut up. Do the work. Just shut up and do the work. Uh, but I have ADHD. So what? Like, who cares? I don't care. Do the work. You know, like, yeah. it's like, it's like, who cares? I mean, you guys all played sports. I played sports. I was telling people in Little League, you drop the ball. Like, coaches, like, I'd be like, oh, dude, the sun was in my eye. There was a pebble in my shoe. And the coach is like, shut up and catch the ball, throw yeah. the ball, hit the ball. Like, you're just, that's how I was brought up. Maybe I would say, man, that's an old oh, age it, thing. I, I'm, I'm,
1: I, we have the same thing with sports because we uh, I'm still training you know, for the for the yeah. USA Nationals and whatnot. And our coach says the same thing is like when you fly over and you go like, oh, like, you know, my, my flight got delayed or, you know, I, I lost yeah. my bags. You know, the meet director, they're like, we don't care. Like, you got to perform. This is your job. Like You got to do. Yeah. It. You got to do. No one cares. You lost your luggage. You know what I mean? It's like no, no one gives a shit.
2: Yeah. No, that's the thing. singing during photo shoots. I remember doing things. I had great assistance like a light would blow up and break or something. You're like, who cares? Just, you don't talk about it or go, oh my God, the light blew up. You just solve the problem and keep keep going. Yeah. It's like the solve- more energy
0: you spend freaking out over something, yeah. the energy you can't put towards finding a solution and moving exactly. forward. It's like, just shut up. Like, just shut up and do the work. That's my motto for everything. Shut up and do the work.
2: Absolutely. And, um, you know, and I think that's a lot of times. You know, all my young musician friends, they, they, they just come up with excuses. And I tell them all the time, like, go in the recording studio while you're out partying and getting stoned or getting fucked up. There's somebody else in the recording studio writing great lyrics, practicing their guitar, writing a song. So you can go ahead and party all you want, but you and you'll and you'll and you are where you are because of that shit. You're not playing fucking the LA forum because you're fucking being stupid.
0: Yeah absolutely well chris how would you feel about sometime in the future coming back on for another episode is that something anytime guys be- you know I, i've been doing this i always tell people uh, everybody i do podcasts with my friends shows i know i talk a lot and
2: they end up being really long um people will, oh our podcast is 30 minutes long and i go okay sure well, that'll be <laughs> double that <laughs> and I end up an hour later like oh my god mm-hmm. so i
0: um because i have a lot i barely scratch the surface today so anytime anytime you guys need me you know that i got you guys back always absolutely Well, we, we appreciate that well chris uh we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate uh your friendship and your advice and your mentorship and uh yeah it's it's really great to great yeah. to know you you guys are the best i swear to god keep in touch let me know
2: if you need anything We'll off off mic and everything we'll figure out this giveaway thing let me figure out what i have and then we'll go from there yeah
1: absolutely. that's gonna be great i think that uh we owe we owe some the people something like this some some you know Good the holidays and are, are coming followers. And that's exactly, we did that last time. We, we did it right around the holidays too, which is really cool. So yeah, yeah. we'll do the no, same definitely, thing. definitely. That's going to be, Now's that'll, that'll be badass. Well, that was great. Yeah. We got a whole, there's, I mean, we got a whole lot of other questions that we'll come back on and, and talk about and stuff, but we tried to do our best to not just talk about stuff that you talk about all the time. So I hope that we had, can hope you do you had me a favor
2: time. next time. Just come up with questions that are yes or no answers. We can get through a lot. <laughs> Rapid fire.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah because you're, you're going to answer with just yes or no. <laughs> yeah.
2: Multiple, yeah. like multiple choice. A, yeah.
0: B. Yeah. That's always, that's... The answer is E, all the above. <laughs> that's the thing about Chris. He's very concise. Yes or no. That's it. Yeah.
1: He's very succinct. <laughs> when he talks he just gives us
0: answers you know it's just yeah absolutely no we'll we'll, we'll be the fun of that come on (laughs) yeah i got you guys no worries well thank you guys thank you so much all right
1: well we'll talk we'll talk more later this is great (laughs) that's great wow what a conversation chris uh that was better than i expected you know so uh we're just coming back to wrap it up. Uh, we got a song of the week we're going to do. And, uh, you know, I know it's been a little long of an episode, so we'll make it quick. Um Chris, do you want to go first, or what? what
0: Yeah, I would. I would love to go first, and yeah, I definitely echo what you were saying. That was a fun conversation. It always is whenever we get on the horn with Chris, and uh, and we're happy to uh, have him as the first external guest on the Grunge Bible Podcast. I mean, there was there was really no other way to begin than than you know than with Chris Cafaro. So we're we're very thankful, as we said, that he came on, and uh, I think we'll have to have him back at some point. But um, in in the interest of uh, wrapping this sucker up, I do have a song of the week. Uh, and my song of the week is going back uh, back to that era a little bit. Uh, surprise, surprise. and uh, it's gonna be an artist that, uh, you know I, in a, in a group that I haven't really gotten a whole lot into, but I do really appreciate this song. and I know I know chris was a was a big fan of this band, as he mentioned uh, during during our conversation. but uh, my song of the week is summertime Rolls by Jane's Addiction. Mm. Um, it's definitely one of those songs. It's kind of, uh, you know, knowing what I know about Jane's addiction, this is a quintessential song of theirs it's just super whatever adjective you want to use the one that comes to mind is ethereal for me Mm. um it's very expansive it's it's almost like um i don't know it's it's just a great song uh it's great for great for driving late at night i think the first time i heard it i was in in the car super late and it just kind of woke me up and uh it fired me up a little bit so the great perry pharrell uh just absolutely one of the greatest showmen you know of all time and certainly of that era
1: and I'm gonna go ahead and jump in that same car with you and do a Perry song. But I'm gonna go with, because you know Chris, Chris has uh, Kafaro has made it pretty clear that he loves he loves Jane's Addiction. I think he said it was his favorite band. Yeah. But I'm gonna do a song from Porno for Pyros. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's Pets, and I uh, just to say in the same realm. And I just think it's such a there's a really good performance. Uh, I can't even remember where it was, but Perry is uh, it's just he's so fun to watch and fun to listen to. And that song is kind of, is it's so unique and I don't know. It's kind of uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a pretty fucking cool song. So, uh, pets by porno for pyros, uh, to Perry Farrell bands and songs to finish up our episode 36
0: episode 36 yeah what, what better way to end than that so uh if you're still with us we hope you enjoyed and uh also if you're still with us stay tuned we're going to be giving away some stuff along with chris and uh i i have no doubts that he'll be back on the show at some point uh you know he's got he truly does have a million stories in the photos to prove it so uh, we've only scratched the surface and uh you know we're excited to uh to have some more more conversation with him and, and share it with you all but uh once again, we thank you all for listening uh, to episode thirty-six and to our conversation with Chris Cafaro.
1: Yeah, and then next week, I think we're also going to have another interview. So we are ripping and roaring. Uh, I guess we'll save. Uh, should we? Should we let? Should we let them know who it is, Chris?
0: I think we'll save it. We'll 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 hit him with a little midweek announcement, maybe.
1: I like that. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Rock and roll. Love you all.
0: Take care, everybody. See you later.